Thanks for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at the Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Happiness Playbook. We are in the process of rehearsing for our Shakespeare in the Park, which is going to be Twelfth Night. And for those of you who are familiar with the story, it starts with these twins who are separated during a shipwreck. We have this opportunity of staging this on stages at different cities in our area, but it starts during the day, so we can't rely on the downlighting of theatrical spots and things like that. It has to be things that would show up and impress even in daylight. And then once the show is underway, eventually the sun goes down and we can have more lighting. But with that in mind, I've gotten really creative and we've used some big, huge, oversized silks, some blocks, a rope, and eight actors to create this fantastic ship crashing into the ocean and people flailing about in the water. And in our rehearsal this week, I brought my blocking notes and my choreography and my underscore, and I'm so excited because I've spent quite a bit of time working out the details, figuring out where people are going to be. And an hour into our rehearsal, I'm feeling like I'm herding cats. Cats don't normally come when you call and kind of have to dig them out from under the bed. It's hard to find them sometimes. It's not the same as blowing a whistle and having the whole herd of dogs come and sit at command. So I started to ask myself, okay, what's not working? Because they're all very intelligent, capable actors. They're committed. And I noticed there were a couple that weren't focusing on my vision or what we were trying to create. So I stopped the rehearsal. I asked them if they could bring more attention to our combined efforts. And uh, it was amazing. It came together so much faster once we had everybody's focus and attention. And I drove home focusing on the power of focusing. And I thought, I really want to share this because it truly is powerful, especially in our day and age where there's so much disruption and so many things that are vying for our attention. To start off, I needed to go back in time and share an episode that will be related, but it might seem like quite a tangent. I feel like it's really helpful and relevant in our world today, though. For quite a number of years, I struggled with severe clinical depression. And if you haven't experienced depression, it's you won't know what I'm talking about. And I would say most of you will assume that you do because everyone has been discouraged and even had depression. But a clinical depression is different. And I just want to take a moment and describe a little bit of what that feels like. It's a very isolating disease because the moment you say you're depressed, everybody in the room says, yeah, me too, which is the most invalidating thing in the world because the scale of depression ranges dramatically. And if you're somewhere at the far end where you're having suicidal ideation, that's not the same as 
I'm really discouraged because my pet died, which is a healthy form of being sad or grief. It's not the same as depression. And I don't want to pass judgment on anyone because I don't know everyone's story, but share a little bit more light on my journey with depression. You don't, I didn't realize that I had depression. Some of the things that were going on in my mind were, oh, this is the story of your life. You're an adult now. Life is hard. It's supposed to be challenging. You're going to have more bad days than good days. The world is a dark place. There are all these stories that I was telling myself to justify this this empty, dark, discouraged place that I was. And then accepting these thoughts as a justifiable reality. I wasn't looking for answers. And it just became a darker and darker place. And if I tried to share that I was struggling with depression, I would get the pat answer. Oh, yeah, me too. You need to do more service. You need to go to bed earlier and get up earlier. And I would try. But imagine how much more discouraged I would be after those things would fail. Then the tape began to change to, well, you're the one that's the problem. You don't fit. You can't make it in this world. Maybe you don't belong in this world. The world would be better off without you. True service would be leaving this world. That's, that's the depths that depression can take you to. So one time, my husband and I and our two oldest children were able to take a trip to Hawaii. And I was struggling with these issues. And we still hadn't, ironically enough, talked about it being a clinical depression. It was just viewed as, oh, mom's in a bad mood. Uh, you know, why can't you cheer up? Let's do something that will make you happy. So going to Hawaii seemed like a good idea. And I remember sitting in my hotel room while the children and my husband were out on a sunny beach in tropical weather, and I didn't want to be out there. And that's when I began to recognize this was beyond a mood that this was a physical disease. So I, I'm not going to share more of that story, but it does have a happy ending. There was a resolution, and if you'd like more information, I'd be happy to talk more, leave a comment on our, on our webpage, or reach out on social media. I started to find solutions once I identified it as a clinical depression, and also there was a lot of prayer and searching, and I was able to ascertain that my form of depression came from an imbalance in serotonin, which most depressions are, but mine could be alleviated by increasing the number of negative ions that, ironically enough, an air purifier pumps out in huge quantities. So I put an air purifier in my room, and that's what turned the tide. It didn't it wasn't the end of the war, but that's what um, the idea that I had a war to fight, and then that tool in my arsenal was what gave me some legs to stand on so I could crawl out of that really, really dark place. There was a lot of other things involved, but I wanted to share a little bit of how the superpower of focus helped me and also maybe help show how powerful it really is. So when I was in some of the darkest places, I would find that I could get relief from, it's really hard to describe the kind of pain you're feeling with depression, but I would 
qualify it as a physical pain that evolves from a mental origin. But it is, it's worse than, than physical pain. I've, I've had five babies at home, and I would do a home birth again instead of go through a very serious depressive episode. It's very real pain. And it's not the kind of pain that a life coach can do away with because it, a life coach will tell you that you'll have a thought that creates a feeling. So let me back up. You'll, you'll experience a circumstance that will create a thought that then a feeling will occur or arise from. And if you go back a step and you notice your thoughts, you'll have more of a handle on your feelings. For me, it that wasn't the source of my depression. I would wake up in the morning, and I called it my blue jello days because it felt like I had a a big fish bowl, like a goldfish bowl, full of blue jello. That when I would open my eyes, it was on my head, surrounding my mental capacities, everything I was thinking, seeing, and it distorted my my view and all of my perceptions. And then I would have the thought, oh, it's a blue jello day. The thought did not precede the feeling. And I think that's so imperative. And that's where it gets really muddy because then our thoughts can compound and create more negative feelings. We're, we're not completely at the mercy of this disease. We, we can take action with our thoughts, but it's important to separate that you can have the clinical depression, which creates the feeling outside of your thoughts. And it's important to give people who are struggling with this disease that grace. So I was searching for ways to escape thoughts because the thoughts that would come were so unwelcome and so negative and frankly, very frightening. And one of the places that I could find refuge would be this, this laser focus on some externality like rain dripping on a window. I would watch the raindrops and then try to watch when they would gather and two would, would form a rivulet and then how long it would take them to drip to the bottom of the window. I would, when I was in Hawaii, one of the things that, that brought me comfort on that vacation with my family I had my snorkeling mask on, and I would float on the water, and I would look at the patterns of light refracted on the sandy floor of the ocean, and I would watch it change. And I would sit there for, for I don't know, I'm not going to say hours, because I would have been burned to a crisp, but a long time. And that would calm these terrible, dark thoughts and, and bring solace. I would find reprieve from the negative that was crushing me. Another place I would find that was watching the bubbles when I would swim in a pool while I was doing laps. Children have an amazing ability to focus in on things, and I think that's why we find babies so engaging. They are our ninja warriors at focus, and I think they help us remember what it's like to do that. As I began to recognize the power of this focus, I could be more proactive in seeking out opportunities to do so and creating a practice. For example, when I would swim laps in the pool, instead of thinking about something that, that had happened or what I had to do, I would just try to zero in and watch the bubbles as they would go by and watch, watch the patterns on the floor of the pool. I think we do this instinctively in other ways. Surfers, catching the ride is super awesome, 
but being out on the surf, feeling the ocean swell beneath us and that pattern and then having to be present with the energy of that wave as it rises and then being able to discern if that's the wave that you want to catch, that takes a lot of focus. Skiing, other sports. When we're out hiking, there's enough attention that has to be placed on our feet and not tripping on rocks and you know, moving forward and then the scenery and our exertion that we're able to focus in on this small small sphere of, of where we're looking or paying attention. And, and it helps us calm down in this really cool way. We're learning so much about the power of meditation and what that can do for our mental well-being and our physical well-being. And I think it's so timely when we are now in this era where we are absolutely submerged in incoming stimuli. It's so hard to escape it. I know my sister can't fall asleep without her TV on because she's so used to noise and sound and being surrounded by it. So I think it's important to recognize the power of that focusing in and what that can do for us when we want to accomplish a goal. So departing from, from the depression, thinking about other things in life. So a pickleball game. Sometimes it's easy to step out of our present moment of being on the court and in the match, and maybe we had a bad, a bad play. Maybe we, we got hit by the ball, or we hit somebody else on the other side, and we're thinking about that, or we're worried about that happening. We're not in the present moment. One of the most powerful things that we can do to improve our performance is to zero in on that moment. And I found this, this technique of just staring at the ball like a golden retriever. And then suddenly the mistake that I was worried about drops away. The fear that I was anticipating of something happening drops away. In so many ways, focus is the gas in the tank that's going to get us where we want to go. So I'm hoping that we can think a little deeper about this superpower. It's the root of grit and resilience because it helps us hold our ground because of the outcome that we're focused on or the goal that we're focused on. If when we lose sight of that, when we lose our focus, it's so much easier to, to let go or not do that 10th push-up or whatever it is. Einstein is reputed to have gotten in a little boat and floated out into the middle of a small lake or pond and sit for hours so that he could focus on his thoughts as he was puzzling out his theory of relativity and who knows what else, that he recognized the need to get away from the distractions. When I was a young mom and I had my, my darling little babies in arms, it was overwhelming, but I loved them, I cherished them, and as I saw them growing, I was very aware that I wouldn't have them forever and how fleeting this time was. And I found myself in this trap of, of trying to watch the time go by. And in a weird way, that made me lose the moments that I had with my children and the days that they were babies with me. And it's, it's tricky because the more present you are, the less you notice time. And the more you try to hang on to time, the less present you are. I'll try to explain with a physical activity. 
I used to be really into mountain biking, and we would go to Moab every year. And sometimes in Moab, you're on the edge of these things that are very big, and it's easy to get your focus pulled down into the depths, the possibility of going off the edge. But there's this, this rule or law in cycling that if you look at it, you'll go over it. So if you look out at the cliff, you're going over the cliff. If you look at the trail, you're going on the trail. So again, it's this, this power of focus. Another thing in cycling that might help, I was going down this very steep little pitch at one point, and I knew when I dropped into this descent, I could not stop my bike in the middle of the descent. And that's not a problem, because I knew it was on the other side. I was going to roll up and go up a little hill on the other side. And as I was going down this hill, I had this thought of, I realized I can't stop. If I stop, I'll cause far more harm than if I just literally roll with this. And in this moment, this, this cool zen epiphany moment, because I was so focused on the bike and what I was doing, I noticed in the periphery of my vision the trees and the undergrowth whizzing by. I, I couldn't discern where one tree started and another stopped. And I recognized I cannot focus on those right now. If I try to, it's going to completely derail my goal. And this, this understanding of how that was indeed my life at this time, how there was so much surrounding me, so much information, so much going on. But if I tried to look at all of the things in the periphery or that I was going past, it would derail me. It would stop me in achieving my goals and even cause harm. And I think our lives are like that. The trick is knowing what to not look at and pay attention to and what we want to move towards and what we want to achieve, where we want our focus to be. So just like in our rehearsal, I started out with that story. We made so much more progress once we had all of our actors focusing at the same time. And in our lives, I think we need to recognize when we're focusing and when we're not. And in our current culture, I think we can't even tell anymore when we're scattered. And I think this contributes to so much of the mental health challenges that we see in anxiety or depression and being overwhelmed. So for our play of the week, I challenge you to find your Zen power grab. When I was in the depths of depression, it was those physical, visual connections that I could find and that brought me peace. Maybe it's that song that you play consistently when you wake up and it starts your day off on the right page. Maybe it's, it's yoga. I like kundalini yoga because there's a lot of breath involved which brings in my physical movement and attention and I'm not uh, chasing my thoughts around as much. But find what works for you. There's apps. There's an app called Headspace. Some of my kids, and I know others that have used that, have really enjoyed it. Maybe it's a sport, playing pickleball, going skiing, surfing, getting out in nature. But find your metaphorical boat in a pond that you can spend time in regularly so that you can reclaim your focus and free yourself from the constant onslaught of the never-ending distractions. Be aware of what you're focusing on 
and then be present where you are. It's a superpower. Thanks for listening. As always, remember, happiness is a practice. So keep up the good work and give the power of focus a try. You got this.